Lord, thank you so much that you are here with us and in the midst of uh, figuring it all out and teething problems and all of that, you are here. And um, I, I just want to pray for help, please. Please help all of us today. Help me, help the guys, help us to um, be alert to what you are doing. God, keep us from just uh, doing things. Lord, we pray that instead this room would be charged with your presence and that we would find ourselves being quickened by you, please. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's Deacon Sunday. All right. And um, this message is called Beacons and Deacons. And um, glad you like it. Um, and you got, you, what, why preach on deacons? You know, maybe you're here as someone, and you've come, you don't even know the Lord. You've come out to find, about, find out about Jesus. That's why you're here. And the guy's going to talk about deacons, you know, how's that going to help you? You know, I sympathise with you, if that is you. Hopefully as we go through, there will be some helpful stuff in there. The reason why we've got to look at these things is because in the book, when God talks about how he wants the church to be organised and ran so it can be be as fruitful and healthy and life-given as possible, he he actually takes time to show how he wants the thing organised. Which is why we were very kind of um, very uh, diligent and spent a lot of time looking at the whole elders thing, getting that right. Um, and now the next stage is is to look at deacons. We're going to look at all of that this morning. We're going to journey through it together. I'm not just going to give you the conclusions. We're going to work through scripture. Might take a bit more uh, thinking than normal, even. So please be prepared to kind of uh, figuratively uh, roll up your sleeves, you know, and so you're engaged and you're ready to really. Um, get involved with what we're doing here. We've got to get the church right because the church is the ecclesia. It's a Greek word. It means the called out and gathered ones. It's the ones that God has called out and gathered to himself that they might be a light to the world. Okay? So it's really important that we don't have a dim view of the church. Some Christians have a higher view of Jesus, but a very dim view of the church. And so they say things like, well, it doesn't really matter about church. It doesn't really matter where you go, as long as you love the Lord. Or, well, I, I pray indoors at home. And it's great to love the Lord and it's great to pray indoors at home. But to, to, to think that you can work out what it means to be a believer outside of meaningful church connection is, I would say it's wrong, it's a deception, it can't be done. Because how can you work out all of the one another's that are in the scripture about the Christian life? How can you bear with one another? How can you forgive one another? How can you encourage one another? And there's, I think, about 50 one another's, different ones throughout the New Testament. How can you do that if it's just you and Jesus? Because you haven't got to forgive him that much, have you? He's, he's, he doesn't do anything wrong. Bearing with Jesus is easy. And you can feel like you're the most amazing Christian in the world when other Christians aren't about, can't you? Yeah? Put a few people in the same room that think a bit differently and we begin to get sanctified. We begin to mature and grow. So the, the church is a massive deal. We've got to have a high view of church because Jesus has got a high view of church. When Saul was persecuting the church, what did Jesus say to him? Why are you persecuting me? Because it's his body. And so every time a a believer in the church are being attacked and opposed, Jesus is saying, this is hurting me. This is my body. This is the body of Christ. The church is the redeemed. It's the company of those who have been bought out from slavery to sin, bought with the blood of Jesus and brought into a new community. The church is the new humanity. The old humanity exists under Adam. The new humanity exists under the second Adam, Jesus. The church is what God is doing. 
God is a, Jesus said, I will build my church. He hasn't given up on the church. Maybe you've had naff experience of church. Maybe you've even been spiritually abused, controlled, manipulated. And you're here thinking, you know what, is that whole thing. Or maybe you've been let down, stitched up by the church. And my heart goes out to you if that's what's happened. But I want to say this to you, Jesus has not given up on the church. Don't give up on the church. It pains him more than we know what happens in the church at times. But the church is an incredible thing. The church is God's holy nation. The people that he has called out and set apart for himself. The church is the royal priesthood. Those who have access into his presence. The church is the household of God. The place where God has said, that's where I'm going to live. The church is the pillar and the buttress of the truth, the Bible says. Which means the church is the one who's been entrusted with the timeless truth of God to hold it up and continue holding it up and holding it out in a, in a faddish world. It's the church that does that. The church is the temple of the living God. And we're living stones. God has shown us in the book that the church is a big deal. And he's shown us how he wants it ordered. The church is the light of the world. Jesus said, it's incredible. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John 8. Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. He said, I thought you were, Lord. Yeah, you're part of me. That's what we are. The light of the world. It's incredible. It's an incredible thing. It's an amazing. So we're the beacon. But we're going to need some deacons. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so... Now, okay, so let's work through this thing. Um, how, does, how does church structure work in the New Testament? What you've got is... Okay, you've got apostles... And maybe a better way of putting it is you've got translocal ministries. So in the Bible, you've got translocal. What that means is you've got ministries, you've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers that are particularly gifted. They've got a big measure of a gift. They're able to just serve more than just the local church. They go and plant other churches and help build up and encourage other churches. So these are people with a, 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 a significant measure of gifting beyond just a local congregation. So you see the apostles and you see these other ministries, prophet, evangelists, Evangelist, pastor and teacher gathered around those apostles, serving under really the direction and leadership of that, of that apostle or those apostles, planting churches and building up churches. They're going around and it's bigger than just the local church. That's people like Peter and Paul, you see in the, in the New Testament here. And there are, we believe, in modern day apostles now. Not, not people that can write scripture and that sort of thing, but nevertheless, those with that ministry to go and pioneer, plant churches, build them up, bring a plumb line, make sure it's being built well, lay a good foundation. And we see prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, part of their team around them. People like Terry Virgo in our, mo- in our movement, there's many others in other different movements, apostolic people, okay? And so this, this translocal, and then what those translocal ministries do They plant churches and then they lay hands on elders who govern those local churches. So those elders, their responsibility is for that particular local church. And and the, the different words are used to describe the same role. Elder, pastor, shepherd, overseer and bishop. It all means the word is used interchangeably throughout New Testament. And these are the guys who just oversee the local congregation. So in this situation, it's Richard, Simon and myself at the moment who are the elders here of this church. Okay, That's the first office of a local church that you have in the New Testament. There's only one other office and it's deacon. Everyone else are saints. 
We're all saints, okay? So you can, you can say, yeah, I am Saint Stephen of Camden. Oh, that sounds great. Okay, That's what, you can say the same of yourself or put your name in the, in the gap, okay? The Bible refers to Christians as saints. The word means holy ones. So we're all saints, but God in his wisdom and mercy, because he loves the church, wants it to be healthy, wants it to flourish, he's established elders and deacons that the thing might work well. You know about elders, I'm not going to go into that now. We've done it all before, so we're going to do deacons today. Are you up for that? It's mentioned clearly three times in the New Testament. Once at the start of Philippians where Paul says, uh, um, we're writing this letter to the elders, the deacons and all the saints. That's it. And then the other time, it's twice in a passage in 1 Timothy 3 that we will look at. The word means simply this, servant. That's all the word means. So because of that, the role is quite hard to define. When you have an elder, overseer, shepherd, pastor, you get a feel for what's going on here. It's about, it's about care, protection, it's about um, leadership, it's about governing, oversight. It's, it, the words help us. But with deacon, servant, it kind of leaves you scratching your head a bit because you're thinking, I thought Jesus is the great servant king and he's called all of us to serve, so aren't we all deacons? What, 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 what makes a deacon a deacon? I thought we were all serving each other, preferring one another, laying down our lives. What, how, how does it work? It's quite hard to figure out. It's very, very broad. And so I just want to say it's actually harder to get your head round than an eldership role. But we know this is a position of honour because Jesus came to serve. So whereas in the world to be called a servant is kind of seen as a bit, oh, that's not great, when are you going to grow out of that? When are you going to get promoted? In the kingdom, to be a servant is like, wow, big deal. Kind of like Jesus. Yeah? So it's totally, it's God's right side up kingdom. It's completely different from the world. So it's a place of honour. Now, scriptures sin on the ground, and as you, as you can probably predict, among the scriptures that we have, there's some disagreement between theologians and scholars about what's what. So, um, so rather than, like I said, just you giving you the conclusions that we've come to, I want to actually take you through the journey today so you can see how we uh, got there. Um, Okay, so we're going to look at three main passages today. The first one is Acts chapter 6, verse 1, verses 1 to 7. Uh, Let's read that together, shall we? Here we go. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now we can leave that up there if that's okay because I want to just show you how this works. Okay, now many, many people agree that Luke is a brilliant historian. One of the main reasons why is that what he does is he doesn't make a load of personal opinions and comments on stuff. He just records this is what happened. It's very unbiased. Um, And so Luke wrote Luke 
and he wrote Acts. And Acts is really part two of Luke, okay? And Luke is really the story of Jesus. Um, and then really, Acts is the story of the early church. That's how it works. So many, many people say that he was brilliant. But the thing is, because of his brilliance as a historian, there's so many things that you actually wished he'd just said, oh, and by the way, that he doesn't. Because he's just saying this is what happened. But it actually leaves a lot of gaps. Sometimes you're thinking, oh, Luke, give us a bit more insight and understanding there, um, which will explain why there's some disagreement about this passage. Here's the controversy. Is this situation here our prototype for deacons or not? Is this about deacons? Because if so, we've got some real good clues to go on. If not, it's got nothing to do with the deacons discussion, even though it's helpful in other ways. Now, why is it in question? Because obviously, it never, they never at any point say, let's get deacons. No one says that. Let's get deacons. And so some say, this isn't about deacons. It's just about the early church, the, the disciples, the apostles getting some help. We can't use it uh, for it. That's the controversy around it. Um, but we need to engage in this. There will be Q&A at the end, by the way, just so that, um, just so that you know. Okay, because if this is the model, we can, it's part of our model. If it's not, then we can obviously leave it for this discussion. So, I think it's a weak argument to say this is not a prototype for deacons simply because the word wasn't used. And here are the reasons why I think it's a weak argument. Number one, the verb to deacon is in red. So, even though it doesn't use the noun, I am a deacon, okay, the whole context is about getting people to deacon in the verb to serve. So, the verb is there. I think that is one building block towards saying, well, look, let's not rule it out. Number two, this was really in the early days in the life of the church when particular roles probably hadn't been developed. It was, the whole thing at this stage is very, very fluid. We've got the apostles there because Jesus had clearly established these 12 guys. You're looking after things now in Jerusalem. But you know what? Even their role isn't that clear because they're apostles, which means sent ones. And Jesus has said, go to the ends of the earth. Actually, though, what they're doing at this stage is they're really working as local elders in Jerusalem. So it's, the whole thing is just finding its level. The whole thing is not yet that well structured it seems um, and so the role of elder and deacon as we know it may not have been in place at this point okay number three there was an official laying on of hands for a specific task now when people lay on of hands in the scripture it's not just let's pray for you that sort of thing we often do it seems to be two things for healing James 5 and then for ministry, for an official ministry, you're being set apart for official ministry. Now, obviously, these seven guys aren't being set apart for eldership. Their job is to serve tables. So it seems like although it's something, and they may not have called it at this point, it is nevertheless a public thing. We're going to lay on our hands. And so I, I would say that it's not just oh, a little bit of help. They're being established to an office in the church, which at this point may not have had a name, but it's clearly the verb was serving. So I think there's an argument here that's, uh, that's building. And then finally, uh, if it's not deacon, then what is it? If it's not that, then, well, what is it? What are you? What do you want to, there's nothing else you can pull out that, that fits the pattern. It's to serve. It seems like that is what is going on. So we are happy to ha- use this as a prototype. I think that's quite a strong argument. If you have objections, please, at the end, we can go, th- we can go for that. Um, but if so, if this is a prototype, then we're going to draw some initial conclusions and ask a couple of controversial questions. Okay, conclusion number one. The deacon role then is primarily about mercy ministry 
They're looking after the widows who were being overlooked, the widows who had their husbands had died. There was no benefits and things like that. And so it was about practical needs, food, and all this kind of... They, it was a mercy ministry. So it seems like primarily deacons are about mercy ministry, meeting need. They're needy situations, needy um, where there's particular acute physical, practical need, it seems. That's an emphasis. And secondly... Um, it's by way of guarding the elders' priorities. The elders here, or the apostles who were playing the eldership role, it was the pr- prayer and the word. And then this complaint has come up. These ladies are being overlooked. It would have been tempting for the, the elders to say, do you know what? Like, we need to sort this out. Come on, put your Bibles down. What's the matter with you? Let's do something practical. Interestingly, they didn't. They said, we're not going to do that. Though we feel the pressure of this, we're not, it would not be good for us to neglect prayer and the word. So we're going to instead get some guys through who are going to do it. So it's about releasing the elders, making sure they can do the thing they're actually called and gifted to do. Okay, there are the conclusions we can draw from it. And um, here's the questions. Why seven? I don't know. But I don't think it's unreasonable to say, well, look, maybe it was that size of task. Maybe there was this particular amount of widows and it was there had been 3,000 saved recently. It was a big church. Maybe seven was about the right number for that job. Maybe it wasn't that seven's the number of perfection. You know, I don't think it was... I know that numbers have symbols in the Bible. I don't think this is that. I just think it's, that's what's going to meet the need. So that's, that is my very pragmatic answer to that question. Second question, why men? Because there's two words for men in the Greek. One is anthropos, which means men and women. It's not gender specific. The other one is anair, which is gender specific. It means an individual male. That's the word that's used in this scenario. Why men? And we're going to try and answer that as we go through. Okay, we're going to try and look at that. Because that's obviously a big deal in the whole, you know, what's what's the deal with men and women? So, um, are you clear so far? Are you awake? Yeah. All right. Are you awake? Yeah. All right, okay, all right. So now to try and piece it together, we're now going to go to 1 Timothy 3, which is the other big passage on deacons, and try and get a feel for that, where we're going to, not surprisingly, meet a little bit more controversy. Next slide, please. That looks very similar. Okay, great. Deacons, this is about a list of qualifications for deacons. Deacons, likewise, it says likewise, because they've just gone through a list on elders' qualifications, okay? Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, Managing their children and their own households well, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's leave that one up there too. Let's work through this together. At face value from this scripture, it looks like deacons and men. At face value. Their wives, husbands of one wife. Okay? That's what seems to be going on there at face value. Now, let's just go beyond face value and dig around for a little bit and see what we find. Because verse 11, where in red it says their wives, can also, in the Greek, be translated the women. The phrase in the Greek for their wives is the same as the phrase in the Greek for the women. Which, if it's... So, so basically, when people translate it, different different translations, um, they have to make that call. 
and it would come out of their own particular, as they would have you know, done research around the rest of Scripture, they, that would come out of their call whether they translate it, their wives. Why have I translated it, their wives, there? Because in the ESV, which is what I read, that's what it says for no other reason. But it can say the women. Now that would change it somewhat in the sense that what it might be doing there is that it might be just talking about men deacons and women deacons and highlighting different character traits. So, you know, if they are, the ones that are guys must only have one wife. A wife would never have had more than one husband in those days, you know, um, um, in, in, in that sort of typical cultural scene. Um, just talking about, and just highlighting different things where, you know, I guess men and women might be kind of a bit more prone or a bit more to kind of um, having to just watch out and keep an eye out. It could just be that. So it could be talking about men and women deacons there. Um, the fact that it's sandwiched between two explicit comments on deacons, verse 8, verse 12, the word is used, um, lends itself to the idea that it's part of explaining what deacons are. Seems like, okay, yeah, it could well be that. Another comment would be this. Why explain what a deacon's wife should be like when it doesn't explain what an elder's wife should be like? That's a bit unusual, isn't it? Why would it say, oh, and deacon's wives, you've got to be like, this character's got to be godly, you've got to be dignified, not slanderous. Why would it say that? And why on the elders list would Paul have not have thought to say, by the way, elders, your wives are to be, that doesn't do it. Which again lends support to the idea that Paul is talking here about men and women deacons. So, um, if we have Act 6 and this passage alone, then I think we would say that it seems open but probably at this point, tipped slightly in favour of being a male role, at this point, with these two scriptures. Slightly in favour, because Acts 6 is explicit, and here is kind of, mm, could be this, could be that, depends how you want to phrase that. It's up in the air, so it seems slightly tipped that way. Which takes us to our third passage, which is Romans 16, verse 1, which you don't have on PowerPoint, but it's just one verse, I'll read it to you. Romans 16, verse 1, says this. Paul's doing his greetings at the end of the letter. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Kentrae. That's how it's translated in the ESV. Of course, it could equally say this, and it does say this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Kentrae. Exactly what it says, because the word servant and the word deacon are exactly the same. So it's interesting that the ESV would translate that way. It obviously comes out of the particular bias of the translators. They say, this is our stance on this, so they say, we're going to interpret it. But the Greek says, deacon. She's clearly a woman, sister, Phoebe. It wasn't just that some guys were called Phoebe in those days. No, <laughs> sister. There it is, Phoebe, a deacon of the church. Now, he then gives a long list of other people who are amazing laborers for God and all these other things they've done. My mother in the Lord. They're all amazing servants. Okay, so they're all serving. It's not, not just because someone say, well, she's just kind of serving. It seems like he's saying, no, this one, she's a deacon. The noun is used there. Which I think tips it slightly the other way. I w- really wanted to walk you guys through this journey because we've walked through the very journey this week in doing our reading, myself, Simon and Rich. I read thinking, of course, deacon, of course women can be deacons, done deal. Of course, that's what I, I went in with that. Started reading and thought, flip. I'm going to really get some stick now because I'm not sure they can be. So then did some maniac reading and really get my, got my head around it um, and then took it to Simon Rich. We sat down in Costa and had a real good... I said, look, here's, here's what's going on. Batting it around, batting it around. 
And we, we, we have come to the point where hands on heart, we feel comfortable saying that women can be deacons scripturally. Now for some of you, you're thinking, what on earth are you talking about? How can you even suggest that a woman can do something that a man can do and all that? I, I totally get if you're coming in with that. Um, all I would say is, is that um, basically our whole kind of stance and platform isn't trying to just come in from what the world says. We, we want to just be shaped by scripture. And uh, we do believe in absolute equality of men and women, that men and women are made equally in the image of God to portray different elements of his nature and character. Absolutely convinced on that, absolutely. We're not chauvinist, guys out in front. We're not feminist, girls out in front. Okay? We believe in absolute equality, and yet we believe in, um, what we would say, complementary roles. And we, hand on heart, are convinced about male eldership from Scripture. And I'm wanting to just walk you through this journey. We, we go on with the deacon thing, so you get into the heart of the thing, not just being presented with a line. I want you to understand the discussion here. Here's why people disagree, because it's unclear. But for us, the Romans thing just kind of swung it a bit, and we felt like, so how does that work with Acts 6, in the sense that it was men only? Well, if, if Acts 6 is around about AD 35-ish, 34, 33, uh, Romans is about AD 55 1 Timothy about AD 65. So I think it makes sense, as I said earlier, that the role developed, that you know, they got the guys in, and then, but there's no mention of this phrase deacon at this point, and then by AD 65 it's being spoken about. It seems like the role had been established by that point over those 30 years, tussled and worked through, and through the comment about Phoebe, that it, through discussion and working it through, they'd, they'd, they'd agreed that it was a role that was open to men and women. So that's our line, that's what we are going on. So what is required of deacons at Revelation Church. Oh, there's one other insight, sorry, from the Acts 6. We just put that back up for a second in terms of one other conclusion I forgot to mention. And, um, and it's this. Um, so, verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you. So, when this need came up, the apostles spoke to the congregation. They didn't say, oh, well, we'll find some people. They said, pick out from among you, seven men. So, that's the way we're going to kind of do it here. We want you to put... Your suggestions in the deacon box over the next three weeks. The deacon box will be here on a Sunday. So I'm going to read through the biblical qualifications of a deacon. I want you to know now we're happy, convinced, hand on heart, under God, in the scripture. We feel no, we're happy that men and women can be deacons. We want to read out the qualifications. And then um, this thing is going to be over on the stage here for the next three weeks. Please uh, put, put, put forward the people you feel like, hey, they would make a great deacon. And then obviously me, Simon Rich, will just sort through that prayerfully. And, um, and then at the family meeting in May, we'll announce, obviously we'll speak to people behind the scenes and then we'll announce. Um, sorry, I don't know, joke, missed it. We'll announce it at the family meeting and then on a weekend away, lay hands on those deacons. And um, so that's where we're going to go. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, so um, what have we got then for character? We've got, People of good repute. People of good reputation. People that aren't thinking... You don't want, we don't want people that, you know, other people are thinking, flip, you know? Got questions about them. People that, people that when they speak about them, they're like, they're yeah, a good person. People of good repute. People full of the spirit and wisdom. You think they're full of the Holy Spirit. And they're full of... If I've got a problem, 
I'll go to them. We're not just looking for people that are practical, okay? Although there's, there's, there's a more practical element to the task. It's a bit like elders lead with their words primarily. Counsel, pastoral counsel, preaching, teaching, advice, guidance, discussion. Yeah, that's primarily how elders do lead and govern primarily with the things they say. Deacons primarily with the things that they do. It is more practical. It is more hands-on. It's very spiritual, it's not just, let's find someone who's really good with a screwdriver. It's not like that. It's, that's not the qualifications biblically. It's a spiritual task. People of maturity and capacity, people who are serious and honest. I'm using modern words that are in this 1 Timothy list, okay? People that are serious people. That's why they can have a laugh, but they're serious people, not silly. People that are honest. People that aren't telling a different story in different settings. They're not double-tongued. Oh, they're like that in the workplace, and they're like that in church. Yeah? They're Mr. and Mrs. Hallelujah there, but when it comes to the workplace, different story. Yeah? You don't want those people as deacons in the church. Those people have got some serious maturing to do. Okay? It's ungodly. Anything duplicitous is, is, is something that the Lord really wants to help us grow out of. Not given to much alcohol. Now, we're a church that we don't preach abstinence because we feel like scripturally... It's hard to build an argument to preach abstinence, okay? But we definitely preach, don't get drunk. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? We preach being filled with the Spirit. Okay? So, it's not okay to get drunk. Why? Because you end up doing stupid things that really don't glorify Jesus and that you really regret. Okay? So, not given too much alcohol. Not greedy. Someone who knows when to say, enough custard creams. Okay? <laughs> Someone who knows when to say no. I'm not going to be a deacon. No, 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 someone held us, even worse. I can say no. So I just actually better say, actually better if you say, actually, I can say no. All right, I just thought I'd better say that because I know I do joke on the custard cream thing and some of you more tender ones might be thinking, do you know what? Is that all he eats? <laughs> do I need to rebuke him? Does he need to, be, does he need to step down? Um, tested people. So tested, so we're not, you know, if you've been around a few weeks, you know, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm the guy. Sorry, it's not going to happen, okay? Tested people, people that have been around, uh, submitted, godly, humble, laid down their own little agendas, said, no, I'm with you, I'm running with you, I'm partnering here. Tested people, people that have been through the fire a bit, been through the water a bit, come out, a few cuts and bruises and all the rest of it, maybe limping a bit, but glorifying Jesus. Tested people, okay? Those whom it's quite hard, actually, if not impossible, to accuse of anything. You think, I wouldn't, nothing will stick. They're examples. The women particularly, noted for their seriousness, encouraging speech, trustworthiness, sobriety. The men particularly noted for their faithfulness to their wives if they're married and keeping their homes in good order. That's the kind of thing, that, that's, that's the character qualifications. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and drop people into your heart and into your mind. What should we expect as we establish deacons? Let's go back to our great we're here. Verse 7. This is what I hope to expect. The word of God continued to increase. Why? Because the elders were free to preach. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So it meant that the elders were increasingly free from worrying about making sure that thing's covered and oh, that person needs it, you know, that person kind of, 
You know, long term, we all need some support. Okay, we've got deacons, they're there, okay? There's a need coming up there. We've got a financial crisis here. Okay, we can get the deacons in. Why? Not because we don't care, because we do care as elders, but we know we need to keep preaching and keep, keep bringing the word, yeah? Keep um, praying for the church. Keep, that's primarily what the elders are there for. Keep meeting up one-to-one to bring the word, pastoral stuff. Okay, that's primarily what we are. Uh, what we, that's, how, that's how biblically the elders govern and the elders lead. Now here we've got 12 full-timers, you know, so there was a, an amazing, you know, and it seems like a very special moment in the life of the church. I don't, hopefully God will give us a proportionate blessing to what we have. Obviously I work, I do four days a week for the church, Richard too, and Simon, we don't know what he does, but I don't know. <laughs> he, uh, somehow he he's just does incredible things. Um, but we want to see amazing increase in growth, don't we? And that's what we're looking for. So it's about moment, ongoing momentum, keep growing. It's about not settling, not stagnating. It's so important. Um, because God's taken us somewhere. Amen. Yeah, he's got us this far and he's taken us somewhere. And it's an exciting place to be. Okay, any questions? <laughs> All right, Dave. Uh, two. No, one. Oh. No, one. Okay. Um, the... Sure. I think it helps an elder to be married because if he's not, he can only shepherd half of the congregation meaningfully. Yeah. It wouldn't be appropriate for a single elder to be meeting one-on-one to pastor a, a woman, I don't think. Okay? So it's just easier. It's really, really easy. I think, some t- I think for translocal ministries, it's actually probably easier to be single. I think for deacons, it doesn't really matter either way. But if they're married, let it be to one person. Alstra. <laughs> if you are serving in a particular area already... Yes. Sure. So if, yes, uh, if you are serving in like an area that takes up a lot of capacity and time, can you still be a deacon? I would say um, possibly. It may, mean that, it may mean that things change a bit. Um, it, it's How we're going to work it is this. Biblically, it's decided on a need here, a particular need. So we've got to say, what are our needs? And then people of a particular character, we need to see those two things come together. So I would just say, in terms of putting your names forward, do it on... Just who you think, regardless of what they're currently doing, and we'll take it from there. Davina. Um, could you just repeat the list? Um, yes, I can repeat that list. Yeah. People of good repute, people full of the spirit and wisdom, people of capacity and maturity, serious and honest, not double-tongued, not given to much alcohol, not greedy, tested people, those for whom it's hard to accuse of anything, serious Encouraging in their speech, sober, trustworthy, faithful in marriage, keeping homes in good order. Next question. Is that who is that, Gemma? Sure. No. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think. No. So in this situation, we've got Philip, who goes on to be an evangelist. We've got Stephen, who becomes obviously a mighty preacher, and then a martyr. We don't know loads about the others. So it, yeah, you serve in it for a season, maybe for life. Or maybe then you move on to do something else. So be totally free in terms of thinking, oh, better not because they might be an elder. Just put who, who you think regardless. Tom. So she touched on this about yep. then they would have continued that, yes. how they did that. Then yes. They came up, they appointed people. Yes. I imagine as things develop and go on, you always want to be bringing through elders, okay? And you always want to be bringing through deacons, definitely. Sometimes it might just be that someone, you just know God's raising them up for it and you think, you know what, it'd be great for you to be a deacon, there's stuff you can carry. Other times a particular need arises and you've got to respond to that by finding a deacon. But yeah, the whole thing's always moving. But hopefully within that there's a consistency that makes people feel safe and you're constantly looking to see people raised up and, and move on. Louis? <laughs> okay. 
what are our, what are our deacons going to do? Um, we're trying to work that one through. So we're working that, we're looking at all the areas of a different church life and asking, is that legitimately a deacon task or not? We're doing all that at the moment. We're right in the middle of that. We want to bring into the mix of that names and trust that as those two things come to clarity, God will lead us through. Um, because I think what, what we have in the Luke situation is, like I say, it's probably a thing where these roles weren't necessarily established, but a need came up. So it's almost like, you, I guess you could say, as they look back, they would have seen God's providence in that need coming up because it helped them work through, oh, we need, it's great to have deacons too, yeah? 30 years on, in 1 Timothy, it seems like the way you set up a church is elders, de- deacons. It's what, it's what you do because a church must be involved in mercy ministry. Yeah, because it reflects God's heart to the poor. Okay, and so in that sense, I think there are definitely things we are clear on um, in terms of things, I guess, 245 cap and other things. There are other things that we're, mm, question mark, do we or don't we? Some people who write on deacons say anything that will release the elders. You know, anything that could, thinks you just eat into an elder's focus on the word and prayer and take it away. Others say, no, it's stronger on the mercy thing. We're just working that one through. It's in flux, so that's as clear as you're going to get from me at the moment. How will deacons relate to gospel community in the same way, I guess, elders do? They, they're, they're a role that's just kind of church-wide. It's a church-wide kind of deal. Even though specific responsibilities, it won't, it, there won't be any particular uh, specific interplay between gospel communities and those, if that makes sense. Dave Morris. Um, I'm going to be difficult about <laughs> <laughs> If you'd help putting up a shelf, Dave, you need uh, to go, go to on a college evening course and uh, <laughs> learn how to do that. I mean, I, yeah... I think that, obviously, they want, you want, they want to be... Go- we, we can't, you mustn't lose the one another of church life in this, okay? It's like, if you want prayer, go and see your mate. Yeah? Um, we've got, that's church. One another, one another, one another. But there are particular areas which need... Um, they're, they're big areas that, that need attention, kind of a, a service... And it needs to be done in an organised and a well and a good way. Involves often and significant finance. You want deacons involved in that, okay? Um, and so the elders are released to be thinking. Let's go keep this, keep the keep the flock in good health. Make sure there's no one creepy sneaking in trying to upset things. Vision, you know, that's what elders should be doing. Yeah. How many votes do you get? How many votes do you get? <laughs> Right, just write down whoever you like, it's fine. Just write down the people that come to mind, that's fine. Phil. Do you have to be an ace on the computer? I couldn't find that in 1 Timothy 3 in the list, but um, you haven't got to be an ace on the computer. No, not, no, not at all. You see, probably the sermon on tables, actually there's some discussion about that phraseology. We think it means, there you go, madam, there's your, there's your rice and peas, you know, there you go, there's yours. Maybe it wasn't necessarily that. It was to do with, there's loads of finance needed to look after that. Deacons, can you just take that finance on board and work out the best way to use that. Do you see what I mean? So, it, it's, it's, not, so it's not necessarily computer skills, just tasks. It's just making sure, that, it's making sure that as we go forward, it, that mercy needs are met and handled in a spiritual and godly way. Yeah? And making sure that as we go forward, those who have been set apart for eldership are able to actually do that task. Yeah, any others? Foxy. Yeah, can you just explain to me about blessed? Yeah. You putting your names forward is basically you guys choosing, yeah? It could be that, you know, you guys, you know, it could be that the same name comes forward three times. And it's just that you perhaps, you might not be aware of some, some of the, that guys is kind of going through at the moment. It's just, it's not going to happen. 
that we're aware of, in which case there's just some pastoral discernment there to say it's, it's not happening. So I'd say, let's do, we did it this morning. Bring them out, you know. And suddenly people are being carried out, people with shoulders, and they're like, what the heck, you know. There has to be some kind of process where we make sure it works, the person's up for it. Do you see what I mean? So I just think, you know, we definitely, this is very meaningful in terms of, look, God, pick some people. Who, do you, who, who should be doing this? But we just want to work with you in it, that's all. We have not got an agenda. We've not got a list thought through, yeah? And then, oh, look, hey, we've got one that matches, boys. Woo-hoo! You know, it's not like that, all right? We're saying, bring people forward, okay? And let's, let's, let's work and see. Is that okay? Anyone else? There's one hand at the back. Seb? It's a good question, Seb. It's a very Seb-like question, because you've not got a passive bone in your body, have you? We love that about you, Seb. Um, I mean it. It's such a cool thing. Um, absolutely. Why not? But if you put yourself... What I would say is, if you put yourself forward and no one else does, then that probably means there'll only be one copy of your name in the box. I, I think if we all actively get engaged in this, we'll, the reality is we'll probably be looking for those... Oh, there's a repeated theme here. Oh, this person's name's come up again. That's probably how this thing will work. It doesn't mean everyone who writes down a name, they're going to become a deacon. But you wanna, we want a sense of, the, what's the corporate, what's the body saying? Yeah? What's that sense of, oh, look, this name keeps coming again and again and again. God's doing something here. Yeah? That, that makes sense. So, by all means, put yourself forward. But if you're the only one that does, that probably won't, uh, you probably won't be a deacon this time around. Tom? Um, we haven't really thought about that, Tom, whether it should be anonymous or not. All I would ask is, don't, all, I'd, all I would ask is this, and I shouldn't really have to say this, but I will, just in case some of you are having a bit of a funny day. Um, please don't write the same name more than once, just to get them through. I, I know it's like, you know, it's like the thing we do. You know, when Andy released his song, we all bought it 15 times. Look, let, let's, this, is a, this is a different idea, okay? This is not like that, all right? Um, so please just write the one name once, and then we at least get a sense of what that is. Oh, these keep coming. All right, we're going to do three more questions and we're going to praise the Lord and break bread. Francis. Well, it's an interesting question, really, in terms of, obviously, there were, it's hard to find a very kind of similar role. I would say that, in one sense, you had the, the priests, but they were those who gave the word. So it was more of a kind of a, more of a, I guess, an eldership role, though they weren't elders in that sense. Um, they did do some reading on that, and obviously there's the, there's the situation of prophetesses throughout Scripture, which is an interesting one that we looked at for, for a bit. Obviously, Deborah the judge. But again, that's an anomaly and doesn't quite fit. So in terms of the church structure in the New Testament, there are carryovers from the Old Testament, but it's actually a brand new structure. So, it's, so no, there wasn't a great deal that we gleaned from that because we, couldn't, we, couldn't, we felt that it was something that, although the Scriptures were slightly thin on the ground... Um, it was a New Testament that spoke into this particular role, so that's where we took our cue. Next question. There's two more. Dave. Um, oh, we've not got an idea of how many de- deacons we think this church needs. James, last question. Okay, yeah, sure. So leadership team is an interesting phrase because it's a very, it's a very c- contemporary phrase used in a lot of churches now. We've got a leadership team. The, the slight downside with it is, is that you, you, you've created a category at that point of your own making and then you're trying to squeeze something biblical into it you always hit problems at that point. Um, do they help lead the church? Yeah, they do. Um, but will they meet as a team? Um, I'm sure there will be times that they do, but there will be times when elders meet with 
um, gospel community leaders and others too. So at this stage, I think rather than creating a brand new category that we then have to try and squeeze things into, we'll just say they'll definitely help lead the church. Yeah. Okay? Um, you've been great, guys. Thank you so much for um, sticking with me. And wake up if you're falling asleep. Okay? Uh, um, we are now going to gather back after that very kind of, you know, it didn't feel amazing. It wasn't glory, glory, hallelujah, was it? But sometimes it has to be like that. We want to get the church good, right? Yes. We get the church good, it glorifies Jesus. And that's just, that's just as worshipful as singing our hearts out.